the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth with Rob Black. One of the things that I really, my goal is to get you to retirement. It's not to get you so wealthy that you could burn money in a trash can, although that would be fun. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. That would make me sad. Um, one of my goals is to try to help you make fewer mistakes. Again, I think money is is much easier of a concept. It's a lot like, it's less complicated than baseball. It's less complicated than if you see a football play in Madden. You know, football players in the NFL that are starting coming out of college, they seem to be better prepared than the football quarterbacks 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago because video games have become so much more complex. They could actually learn complex reads from playing video games. It's a very silly idea, but it's actually kind of true. So I think money is just as simple to approach, but sometimes we don't know what questions to ask and we look at it as very taboo, off to off, can't touch that, stay away from that kind of thing. I better just keep in my own lane. And that's sad because when you start a new comp- new job at a company, you should be able to go to HR and say, what exactly is your 401k? Do you like it? Do you not like it? You should be able to have an open conversation. So if you want to have an open conversation with me, drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. With that said, I do get emails on a regular basis. The old AOL sounders going off in my head. You've got mail. That's right. One of the biggest things that I want you to to feel accessible with is drop me an email. Don't ask me my favorite stock. Tell me I've got a kid who's in fifth grade. I'm a single mom. I don't know what to do about his college planning. Don't ask me my favorite stock. Ask me, do you think I should buy a car or lease a car? Rob at robblackshoe.com. Let's get to some emails right here, right now, shall we? I think it's a pretty good idea. Some of these are simpler than others, so don't read too much into it. Don't get caught up in the, um, oh, that's not the best email ever. One of the first emails that I, I, one of the problems I get is I get emails that come when something dramatic is happening in the world. Whether it could be, be an election or maybe a coup, maybe high price of oil. But a lot of people will drop me emails asking, do you think I should get out of the market? Or do you think I should jump in on this stock? Or do you think is now too late to buy Tesla? (laughs) That's probably my favorite one, right? Are you with me? Because a lot of people aren't very creative in their approach. I would prefer an email something along the lines of, I've sat there and watched Tesla's success. Do you see any emerging areas that I might be able to jump into? When Tesla said, we're making electric vehicles, that's great. And then the governor of California said, by 2035, we want all vehicles sold to be only electric. 
that tells you the whole industry is about to change, not just one company. And then when GM says it in 2021 that they want to have all electric vehicles by 2035, they're in. GM is probably way more important than Tesla. Tesla's kind of a moonshot, unique, bullet shot, kind of very different uh, beast. But that's the way I want you to start thinking, a little bit more complicated than the simple. Here one email comes from, who is this, Matt? I hope this finds you well. I had a quick question that's been on my mind for a while. I have some unsecured debt that's been my focus for the past year. I have cut it in half, but I am now considering investing. My question for you is, should I continue paying down debt or use that money to put into the stock market, Tesla and Bitcoin? <laughs> okay, so I'm a little bit concerned that the only two investment ideas that come to mind first are things that have only made money for people, that they're sitting near or at all time highs on a regular basis when this email came in. I'd rather you say, I'd rather buy the diversified S&P 500. I'm going to aim a little bit lower than 100% returns or 1,000% returns. I'm going to go for the historical 10%. So that's my first response there. My second one is, what is your unsecured debt rate? Are you borrowing money at 3%, 6%, 10%, 15 20 25 30 Any debt over 6%, I would pay down before I invest. But I would consciously do what you're doing. Start thinking about it. Set up an emergency plan for two to six months of your income. You don't have to fund it in one day. But that always needs to be there in the process of getting to retirement. That's a separate bucket. It's a separate area than your investments. It's a separate area than, you'd say, your cash flow that you live off month to month. So let's look at this email a little bit more again. I have some unsecured debt. So I say get that debt down if it's over 6% as fast as you can. Because historically, Wall Street's going to get you somewhere between 7 and 10%. Um, so if you're paying 7, 10, 15, 25%, like credit card debt levels, pay that down first. Again, I'm not going to pull a Susie Orman on you. I'm not a big fan. Where she goes, pay off your smallest credit card first because it'll make you feel good. No, pay off your highest debt first. I don't care if you feel good or not. So let's keep looking at this email. My question for you is, should I continue paying down debt? Should I buy Tesla Bitcoin? Okay, what I would probably do is keep it simple again, pay down the larger debt, start thinking about an emergency plan, start thinking about getting consistent with investing. Whether it be a 401k or 403b, if that's offered at your work, that's a way better plan than to start off on your own. I'd rather you keep it simple. Get $100,000 in a 401k or 403b or an Acorns account where you're just automating it for a couple months, couple years. And you're slowly accumulating wealth in something like an S&P 500 fund, but you need to find something that's more appropriate for you. Uh, because I don't know you. You may be more conservative than me. You may be more aggressive than me. I'm a gambler by nature. Not at all. I, I play with the odds in everything I do. When I go out on a date and it's the best date in my life, I'm like, that, this isn't going to end well. Because best dates in your life, like that's a high point, not a low point. I like moderation and moderation. So I'm like, if that was the best date that I've ever had and we stayed up all night talking, this is going to end badly. So I know I'm showing you that I have something that's almost fatalistic. I like coming down from my highs and I don't like my lows to be too low. I don't have a lot of emotions. My father was a pretty hardcore alcoholic, not the type that beat us, not the type that, you know, was fall down drunk. He was the type that just checked out. 
So he'd get off work at five and he'd come home at seven after sitting at the bar for a couple hours drinking bourbon and Cokes. And then we'd have dinner and then from 730 to nine, he'd have more bourbon and Cokes and he'd sit down at the table. So he taught me to hide my emotions. That's because that makes me a very, very good investor. So Matt sends an email and I'm assuming his dad was an alcoholic. I'm assuming he's pretty optimistic because he's got the Tesla and the Bitcoin thrown into his email. I'd say learn moderation, dude. You're too high on that one, if you're with me. Remember, you can always drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. I'll do my very best to get back to you. Keep in mind, I have to stay within the legal confines of proper advice. I don't know you, so I can't get too specific. And I don't have the time to do all your research for you. So hopefully it could be a big theory, big picture kind of question. But sometimes if it's a question like Bitcoin, I'll say, I can answer specifically and say, it's had an amazing run. Tesla, it's had an amazing run. Microsoft, it's had an amazing run. Facebook, amazing run. Like you could do this again and again and again. And what you could say is, if I were to look at a stock that's had an amazing run, I'd say, take a look at the 10 years. Have you ever seen pullbacks? Because that's what you could probably expect. So if you see something that's gone up 100% and it pulls back 40%, once you buy it, expect it to pull back 40%. And if you're good with that and you'd buy it again, you're starting to clear some of the hurdles. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Good day. I'm Rob Black, show dedicated to getting you to retirement via a simple concept of creating wealth. Why do I want to get you to retirement? Because our social security system is a supplemental system. It's like a supplemental vitamin. You're supposed to eat your vegetables and your fruits. You're supposed to go low on red meats, and you're supposed to supplement it with a vitamin. In case you're not getting your vitamin B, in case you're not getting your vitamin D, your vitamin C, and those are all the vitamins that I essentially know, but that's the idea. Same thing with what I try to do on this show. Social security is not going to be enough, and sadly, I don't understand why many people out there think social security is a lot of money. It's not. It turns out to be about 18000 a year in a good scenario, somewhere between twelve and eighteen is what I typically see when people hit that retirement age. We'll talk about that in future episodes. But that's what the show is dedicated to try to do. Will I always be able to do it? No. One of the ways I want to help you create wealth is try to set up very easy systems. The simpler, the better. For lack of a better terminology that we all kind of know, let's use the old simple kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. If you can auto invest, do. It's something I did when I was 18 years old. I found a, a mutual fund family that I, it kind of reflected my personality. It was the Robertson Steven, Stevens Information Age Fund. And at 18 years old, I funded it with a car settlement when I got rear-ended. And that was only $3,000. Don't think I like walked into a lot of money, but I got rear-ended. And if you get a neck strain back in the 90s or the 80s, whenever it was, a lawyer would say, yeah, you can get $3,000 for pain and suffering and being put in a neck brace for a couple months and lifelong suffering from recurring like damages. You're not going to get a penny more and a penny less. 
lawyers know like that's a point in time where they're going to have to hire someone for 10 hours or 15 hours or 20 hours. And eh, you get the idea how that works. But my goal was simple. Don't use this money. You may look at it as maybe, a, you know, any time that the government sends out checks, don't use that money if you don't have to. Put it, start a retirement fund. I did the Robertson Stevens Information Age, but then this is the thing. I, I put a lump sum in, $3,000. But then I put a recurring monthly payment on it. So every month from my bank account, I would put $166 into it so that I would put in $2,000 a year. And that $2,000 a year, I was able to deduct from my tax bill to the federal government because it was an individual retirement account. So I won because I got a tax deferred saving vehicle, individual retirement account. I won because I didn't pay current income taxes or deducted income taxes for my initial deposit and everything else that I put in up to $2,000 a year, which is weird because those numbers don't change a lot 10, 15, 20, 30 years later. And you're like, didn't anyway, you get the idea. The simpler you can make it, the better. Lump sum money goes to retirement. Set up a recurring regular payment. I do it with my Acorns account. I do it with any uh, 401k. And I did it back then. So that every two weeks or four weeks, you're supplementing a little bit more money into it. And that'll grow for you in theory. Now let's talk about one of the first challenges you're going to have after you start saving for retirement. You're going to run into something called a market correction. It could be a recession, it could be a bear market, it could be a pullback, it could be fast, it could be prolonged. And what's important to note is that the market's worked for hundreds of years in good times and bad times. The thing that's very, very tricky where you could lose money for a foreseeable future are market bubbles. Asset bubbles, for lack of a better word, an asset bubble occurs when the price of a financial asset or commodity goes way above the historical norms. The asset's intrinsic values are tough to value. It's moving too far too fast. It's making too many people too much money. Some bubbles are easier to predict than others. When it comes to stock market traditional valuation metrics, yeah, it, it's I remember in 2020 and early 2021, one of the things that started to be shown to me was, oh, you don't want to value a company by earnings anymore. Now you're, you're looking at free cash flow. I'm like, I've never looked at free cash flow except for maybe companies that pay dividends. And now you're telling me I need to value companies like Apple and Microsoft off cash flow. Okay, I get it. I can adapt to that. Maybe bubble, maybe not, but it's non-traditional. So it makes me a little bit nervous. We're making an excuse to like a company. So some of the biggest uh, bubbles ever. And again, people forget this. They're regular, normal, speculative events. Cabbage Patch was a bubble. In the 1980s, little girls had to have Cabbage Patch dolls. And these were little pieces of cloth and cotton sewn together. Ugly little things that had a name. Like you were adopting a baby. But it was just a stuffed doll selling for hundreds of dollars. That was a bubble. Anyone still have those? Do you think you can get $100 for it? No way. How about a bubble that we all have lived through? The dot-com bubble. Dot-com, dot-com. Increasingly popularity of the internet triggered a massive wave of speculation. Now, again, the new economy was very real. Suddenly, we became more productive because we were pitting putting business cards online, putting business brochures online. The first couple rounds of the internet were nothing fantastic, very static. 
Some companies evolved out of that wonderfully, but there was like 10 of them. Some companies got huge valuations and went to zero. Or in this case, when there was a stock market correction, they all started buying each other. So we, we would have saw them go to zero if it was historically valued on their value as a company. What were they delivering in revenue? What were they getting in earnings? They would have gone to zero. But they started merging and acquiring each other. So it kind of hid the fact. We kind of swept it under. You want another bubble? How about the housing bubble from 1996 to 2006? Every single year went higher. That's not normal. Sometimes it's three steps forward, one steps back. Sometimes it's five steps forward, two steps back. And that's a more normal way of building wealth. But the housing bubble from 2000, uh, 1996 to 2006, it really didn't become a problem until the latter stages where the average person started to look at around and, get, and said, I can make a lot of money doing this. I can quit my day job. I can become a house flipper. But from 96 to 2002, that was a normal, healthy recovery because in the early 90s, housing cor corrected. It went down a lot after saving and loans thrifts disaster in the banking industry. So the first part was normal. The latter stages got speculative and bubbly or frothy. Ultimately, we started packaging loans and giving them to people who didn't deserve them. The housing market collapsed late in the game because too many people came late to the party expecting similar type results from the future. That collapsing because we gave them money caused a great recession, the biggest recession since the 1930s in U.S. history. Bubbles happen all the time. You want more bubbles? How about Japan's real estate bubble in the 1980s where they started to overexpand into the United States? At one point in time in Japan, the value of the Imperial Palace grounds in Tokyo was greater than the value of the real estate in the entire state of California. That's how bubbly it was. Bubble burst in 91 and Japan's economic fallout lasted for years and years and years. Lots of deflation in what was known as the lost decade to the point that I still don't think they ever really got back on their feet like they were before the bubble. There was a South Sea bubble where the United Kingdom, Britain, they had done really well with setting up a shipping company in East India. And they tried to recreate that in the South Sea Company, basically South America. It didn't go over well. The investment went up eightfold only to collapse. And then there was a severe economic crisis. There was the Dutch tulip bubble in the 1630s where people were paying the amounts of a house. They could have bought a house or they could have bought bulbs. Well, you can imagine that one went down bad too. Tulip mania consumed a wide cross section of the Dutch population. Bubbles happen. Watch out for them. They're typically frothy. and They're typically people like your neighbors who are like, hey, I'm thinking about quitting my job and doing this. <laughs> Never a good idea. Hey, I'm Rob Black trying to help you create wealth. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking creating wealth, trying to get you to retirement. Let's do a quick segment on tips, hints, and tricks. Earlier I said, let's do a segment on emails. And I said, drop me an email to rob at robblackshow.com. Tips, hints, and tricks is a concept in my mind where you kind of learn things through time that you're pretty good at. 
like for instance, if you're going to put fire down your throat as a fire sword swallower, I think you probably want to learn how to not get burned, right? I got an email earlier that I talked about in the show where someone was referring to Bitcoin. Sometimes it's green energy. Sometimes it's Tesla. There's some really good resources out there that you can start kind of educating yourself on. I don't want you to look at the king and the queen or the prince and the princess or the duke and the duchess. Like that kind of stuff is inane to me. I can't process it. I I can't get any value out of it. To me, it's like, for lack of a better word, do not send in your hate commentary, but it's like Chinese food. It tastes delicious. American Chinese food. It tastes delicious, but 30 minutes later, you're probably on the toilet pooping it out. Not a lot of nutritional value. Not a lot to stay and make you strong. Same thing could be said for some of the content we consume. Bloomberg, as a hint tip trick, has got a free website, Bloomberg.com. Now, you only get 10 articles a month, and that's not much. But if you sign up for their newsletters, their Bloomberg Green and their Bloomberg Tech, you can get some valuable nuggets emailed to you. Bloomberg is one of the financial media sites that is dominant in the world. I would call it one of the top five. I like the Wall Street Journal. If sometimes you, I, I, I got to be careful because some people don't get this offer, but for some reason I did. When I subscribed to the Wall Street Journal, I also got a copy, a digital copy of Barron's. Barron's is probably my favorite thing to read. But then I start blending these together. Barron's, B-A-R-R-O-N-S, Wall Street Journal, WSJ.com. You want to hear a hint? 25 years ago, when Rob Black was a young man in the late 80s, early 90s, I would read the Wall Street Journal every single morning with a black marker. I would cross out the stories that I thought were just flat out stupid, had no relevance to me. And I would box the ones that I was like, let's see how these guys did after a week or two weeks. And then on the Saturday or Sunday following, I would get in my big bathtub and I'd curl up to old articles from the Wall Street Journal and go, they got this right. They got this wrong. They got this right. They got this wrong. So I kind of had a report card of what I was learning, holding myself accountable of what did I see good and what did I see bad. So I like the Wall Street Journal. I like Barron's. I like getting free emails from companies like Bloomberg or the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times. The New York Times, another one. It's got a pay site. I'm not crazy about pay sites. With that said, as I get older, I want to reward these people. When I was younger, I want to like get all the content for free. I'm a bit of a jerk. But the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times has like the New York Times business section, the New York Times real estate section, the New York Times uh, political section. They will send you emails every night on some of their top stories that you might have missed. I'm not a big Paul Krugman fan. He's one of those economist strategists of the world that will kind of go down in history as being left, far left. I'm not against him. I like reading it. Sometimes he says things that are genius. I think he's a smart man. He politically may not align with me 100%. But if I can get his articles for free, I'm stoked. And if they come to me versus getting on a blog, there's a much better chance that I can do that. So anyway, find things that work for you. I just hit the Wall Street Journal. I hit Barron's. I hit Bloomberg. And the, the angle that maybe you could sign up for the email alerts that will come to you and you could digest them on your own time be careful on the sites like there's a there's some sites that are pumping bitcoin 
And they're going to write articles that are typically about the love of Bitcoin. You kind of want to find some that are like more realistic that say maybe here's an article on I love Bitcoin. Here's an article on how I hate Bitcoin. Bloomberg's got a great um, email alert thing that comes to you tied towards green energy. And I'm fascinated by it. They have a whole subset of their media publication industry now on energy. And they talk about carbon offsets. And I, it's such a learning go to college kind of event for me. With that said, one area that I would stay away from weekend seminars where people promise to get you rich. I'm not against seminars that are free or that cost 25 bucks. I'm against seminars that cost $400 to $4,000. And I'm against seminars that promise to get you rich. Trade like the traders do. Invest like the investors do. Be careful on those. Um, I hate many people in financial media. I hate people that come across as gurus and Buddhas. Um, some of the people I hate the most. I know you're saying you, you're filled with a lot of hate, aren't you? Yes. The two midgets, the two short people, the two vertically challenged people that would come on television at two in the morning after Dave Letterman ended way back in the 80s and 90s when he was on 1230 to 130. Those two little guys that owned real estate or invested in real estate, and they were the, the short midget brothers, for lack of a better word. And they would come on TV in an infomercial like, you can be like us. We hang out with beautiful, hot women and we have boats. And they're in Hawaii. We buy and sell real estate. Well, when you find out a little bit more about it, what they do is they sell you basically a Xerox copy of, of crap. And they're not there for you. I don't like Robert Kiyosaki. I don't like the short midget guys who hawk real estate who are both dead by now. There's a lot of people I don't like. Um, Tony Robbins. Hate him. I know you're saying, you hate Tony Robbins, the power within that guy? Yes. Like that whole trick about walking on fire. You could do it. You can walk on fire. You, you, you got this. I believe in you. Do you believe in me? It's just a wood that doesn't burn hot. You're not powerful. You're not magical. If, if you get inspired by having other people inspire you, you're in trouble. If you get inspired by reading smart people, you're going to go far in life. One of the things I did when I started at waiting tables was I would always ask the smartest guy there, what's your favorite book? Because if I want to waste my time waiting tables to, for money, I want to get an education while I'm at it. You picking up what I'm putting down? I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Talking about creating wealth. Find me at robblackshow.com.